Welcome back to Radio Solo 100, powered by the Get Lost Podcast. Radio Solo 100 brings you inside Expedition Solo 100, a groundbreaking test of human endurance combined with cutting edge psychological and climate research. As polar explorer Mark Wood sets off alone into the Arctic. I'm your host, Joe Sills, a freelance journalist for outlets around the globe. Mark Wood himself is here today, and today we get to talk about some fun stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the wildlife in the Arctic and what Mark thinks he can see out there. So, Mark, I think when the Arctic comes to mind, people sort of imagine a desolate wasteland. Maybe they think about penguins, which don't live there, or polar bears that do. So talk to us about the wildlife that you see from the minute you land at Resolute Bay um, to when you get up actually into the, the high Arctic, uh, completely alone, surrounded by nothingness. Uh, it's good to speak to you, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. Um, so, the, you know, I've operated up in the Arctic for over 20 years or coming up to 20 years now. Um, and really the stats of the animals that live up there, the 25 to 30,000 polar bears live in the high Canadian, uh, Canadian high Arctic region. Um, and then you've got sort of uh, Arctic foxes, uh, hares, muskox, caribou, um, Arctic tern, which is the, the uh, um, bird, um, and lemmings and other sorts of animals. You don't see too much of them mm-hmm. because they're all so it's like all wildlife animals. You don't really see them um, unless you're sort of still and uh, there is an expecting. Um, over the years that I've been out there, I've seen probably about between 15 and 20 polar bears very close up to, you know, two, 300 meters away. So um, the irony of this podcast, by the way, is that I've got two dogs next to me now and it's dinner time and all I can hear in my, I don't know if you can hear it, but my dogs are chewing away on their biscuits and food and, and stuff, um, not understanding what a podcast is. So um, It's the sounds yeah. of nature. Um, it's the sounds of nature, yeah. From so this is interesting to me because you've already rattled off at least five or six other species that I didn't even think about, like lemmings and arctic terns. Um, but you said they're they're largely absent. Do you get a sense that there's life up there when you're walking through it, or are you mostly just uh, looking for bears? No, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's it's a little bit more apparent than in, in walking through a forest because if if you had a great tracker, they'll be able to point out twigs that are broken and different footprints of different animals. In the Arctic, it's too obvious. It's you've got footprints which are embedded in snow you know it's you don't have to be too much of a Sherlock Holmes in this situation mm-hmm. so you've got you know arctic foxes running everywhere and you can see them all over the the white sort of pureness of the uh, the snow uh, for, first put footprints to go in there and then you of course come across polar bear prints as well um and quite a lot of them um and just to talk about polar bears for now um polar bears for me, are the most majestic killers on the planet. Um, explain explain uh, what you mean by that. As I I find this to be interesting because to me they would be sort of your natural fear or nemesis up there. But you know, you, 
when anybody ever talks about the Arctic, they all show a picture of a polar bear, don't they? Because that symbolizes the Arctic. My, my logo is a polar bear. So it, it, it's the symbol of the Arctic. And they're, they're the biggest, they weigh around about 680 kilos. Um, they run just as fast as a horse. They can swim, you know, miles and miles. When I was picked up from the geographic North Pole way back in 2012, by a Russian helicopter. We looked out of the window and there was a, was a female bear and her cubs following my tracks towards the geographic pole. Now, the nearest landmass must have been about 500, around about 500 nautical miles away from that position. So they must have swam some of that distance to that area. It's quite a very long range area to be in. So great swimmers, they can smell anything between 10 and 20 miles on ice, on flat ice. Um, so the senses are incredible. Um, and really if you talk to locals anywhere, they will, they have a real fear of bears, mm-hmm. but it's my experience and this might be the naivety of what I do, but it's my experience that, um, bears are very surprised to see human beings out there. And that's the benefit that we have. We have time to, take photographs and then scare them away, which I'll get into in a second. Um, the odd occasion when they got really close, they're just inquisitive. They can smell these different smells and these different colors. They can see, you know, um, and they're just inquisitive of what's going on. <clears throat> and you've got to scare them away at that point. Uh, if you don't, then they will probably trash your equipment, uh, dig into your food and then think about you afterwards. In the mm-hmm. cases over the years where people have been killed, unfortunately, then I know one was on Svalbard, this young young boy was killed with a tragic accident. Um, I spoke to the medics that are on the scene about a year later, I chatted to them. And they said when they cut the bear open, it was empty and his teeth were black and he was deranged because he was hungry. So mm-hmm. there are the odd occasions when bears will just, you know, be frantic, but generally you have time. Um, and so you how don't feel we've... in danger when you see one come over the horizon. Oh no, I I do. You've got to. I mean, look, you've got to listen to the Inuit guys before you leave. You've got to read the area. So if there's any low clouds over certain areas. You know, there's open water. So that means bears might be around that area hunting for seals. You've got to look at tracks, the way the tracks are, are forming, direction of travel of the bears, um, and you've got to you know, camp away from icebergs, camp away from, you know, um, slopes and things like that. And to camp in the open with nothing around you. And then the reason for that is you can see them coming. You can hear them in the quietness of the, of the night maybe. And you can, you've got 360 vision of giving yourself a chance. Um, and, it, you know, it, even when you're working in teams, you don't do a cowboy effect of, putting your t- tents in a circle because if a bear is in the center, it seems strange in the Arctic, but they do feel trapped like an animal in a corner. Huh. So you, you put your, your tents in a line and you, you make sure there's a gun at either end. And, you know, you, it's a military operation of making sure that everybody, every possible case scenario is accounted for. Uh, but when you're alone, it's, it's uh, pretty gone. So you're going to say, what has your personal experiences uh, with bears been like up there? You had a bear come into well, your camp before. 
Yeah, I've had a bear stalk me for three days in Svalbard, um, which is heavily populated with polar bears. It's an area of group of three islands between Norway and the North Geographic Pole, uh, an area we train in. And if anybody wants to experience the Arctic, but live in nice accommodation and have, you know, a few bars and shops and cafes around and yeah, I like a that. long year burn. Yeah, I'm the same. Don't worry. Long, young, long year burn is a place to go to, but there's a, a massive load of polar bears around the area. And this bear was following me. I'd scared it away and it ran off in, in, uh, in a, the direction I'd just come in. So that was good. Uh, and then that night I kept a lookout. I was looking around the tent every like half an hour or so. I was quite on my toes with it. And I could see him way off in the distance, um, a little black spot sort of walking around. Um, so I knew he was still inquisitive. And then he got super close um, up to like 100 meters, 50 meters. Um, I had my gun with me. I had I set off some flares, which scared him away. Um, I didn't really want to shoot him because um, that's the last resort. And it, yeah. it becomes a, a crime scene when you shoot the bear as well, especially in an area like that. You what know, do you mean it becomes um, a crime it, scene? Like the, the law enforcement comes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're protected animals. So th- I want to make a point of saying that I've seen loads of bears. I've never killed a bear. And I'm very proud of that, you know, but, uh, and, you know, we've done everything to scare them away. And it's, it's always happened that way. And, and I have been in the very extremes of Ellesmere Island and other places which have, bears have just come into the area. I saw one last year. It came into the, the tent area near Franklin's Graves off Devon Island. Um, but it was like just as scared as we were and it just ran off. Mm, you know, it's yeah, like, what it's the like, hell what are these? What, what are these? Yeah, well, we had dogs with us as well because we were running dog teams. So that was last year. So, you know, that's great if you've got dogs with you. But... Um, what, what did you say? Sorry, what was your question? I was just asking um, about your, your close experiences with bears, but I'm glad to know that you've been able to, to frighten them off. Um, when you land... No, you said about a crime scene, didn't you? You said about a crime scene. Oh, yeah, the law so enforcement. It, it, Does law yeah, enforcement it, show up? And, and who is law well, enforcement you know, out there? Yeah, not, not in the areas I'll be going through next year, but when you're working in places like Svalbard or close to Resolute, then what they'll do is they measure the distance between you where you shot and where the bear fell. Mm. And if it's, you know, if it's close, then that's, if it's within a certain distance when they're, they're going to be happy with that. But it, if it's further away, it becomes a sport hunting thing. So, oh, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can, it, and it's good that they do that. You know, it's, um, it's good that they measure it. So you can be prosecuted. So I'm, I'm very curious, um, to get your take on what the science of Solo 100 can do for the wildlife in the Arctic. Obviously, um, you're going to go up there and, and take some core samples. You're going to be measuring the the depths of the snow, um, really getting an understanding of really, really remote areas where people don't generally go on the ground. Um, what are the threats right now to bears, to Arctic foxes, to lemmings? Yeah, it's 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 a strange one. Um, it might seem a little bit sort of strange to the listener because you're going to expect me to say that the population of bears has dropped and all this sort of stuff. Um, when I started to explore again, um, around about two two thousand and three, 
the population was around about 10, 10 to 15,000 bears known within the Canadian high Arctic region, which is vast. Since then, there's an increase of about 25 to 30,000 polar bears, which is not what you hear generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for this is because sport hunting has been almost eradicated in these areas. Um, hunting still goes on, but it's by friends of mine like Devon, who's the Inuit hunter, and it's done for bringing money into the settlements. It's done to bring the population of the bears down because there are a lot of bears. Um, and hunting's done in the UK and in also around the world to almost control the amount of animals around populated areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, whether you agree with that is a, is a completely different subject, but these are the facts. Um, so, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought then, <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah, we're talking uh, about the population of polar bears. and This is new to me. I didn't realize that there was a population boom in bears um, due to... Yeah, so uh, the threat the threat for them is the fact that um, the Arctic Ocean is, is shrinking. So between Canada and Russia, um, between, you know, Alaska and uh, Svalbard, and uh, you've got this vast ocean, um, and the ocean... In 1969, between Barrow in Alaska and Svalbard, right through the North Pole, an expedition by Sir Wally Herbert covered the full length of that that terrain. Well, that's absolutely impossible to do that nowadays. The last major expedition that went out onto the Arctic Ocean through the geographic North Pole major expedition was Borg Island, um, I think uh, two years ago, when they got a boat into the ice and then got onto the ice, crossed the North Pole, got a boat off the other side. So it's now leaving from landmass to the North Pole is is but is not impossible, but it's having the backup teams, the rescue teams that will come and support your, you know, your journey and pick you up. They're reluctant to actually land the planes on these unstable and known ice. So the whole format of polar exploration is changing in the north. How that affects the wildlife is that, you know, polar bears hunt seal. That's how they, they the high protein of seal keeps them. That's how they keep stay alive, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the main source of food is seal. So if they can't, if they can't operate on the Arctic Ocean, they move south, and south is land, and they can't live on the land um, because they need protein of, of fish. So um, they will be, they would then head back south as well, where the population, the human population are. That's an added problem. So in time, there will be uh, deterioration and reduction of um, population of bears and other animals as well. Um, Do you feel that we're at a point in the course of history where we can still turn that kind of thing around? Or is this something we have to learn to live with over the next several decades is this the new reality but that, that's the question joe that's the defining question at the moment about about the environment about climate change climate action the understanding of the bloodline of the environment to our own existence as a human human race you know it's it's said through myths over the centuries that we were dependent on um on the environment to keep us alive and it's it's a reality and uh, we've understood it for many years but the layman doesn't understand it and the the 
the problem is it's not profitable. Sure. So you need yeah. to make climate change profitable and you need to make it, uh, you know, wind power, solar power, uh, needs to provide jobs, needs to be um, a profitable organization to, you know, human beings are greedy of money and we're not going to, that's the battle and ignorance. So that's the battle, but you've got to appease to that really. And you've got to uh, create this, this need around their need. Um so- as we sort of wind down this episode on the wildlife um, of the Arctic, I have a question from like 10-year-old version of me uh, for the British Polar Explorer. And as a kid, I was always fascinated uh, with wildlife books, whether it was like zoo books or Nat Geo for Kids or something like that. And I think one of the most beautiful animals in the world and that's stuck with me in the visuals of Arctic foxes that like plunge down into the snow mm-hmm to get lemmings or what have you. Have you been able to see Arctic foxes? Uh, well, we've done better than that. <laughs> me and uh, my friend, Ryan Scarrett, who who did some early stuff with me, some education work, and we crossed Iceland together, and we, we've done loads of other little adventures together. We were working in Svalbard, and um, we came out the tent one day. We, we finished the expedition. We were actually just on the outskirts of the, the village, Longyearbyen. Mm. And uh, we saw an Arctic fox and we stood there with our morning coffees and we watched this little fella and he came towards us. And I was, uh, it, we got this on film. So if you go onto uh, Mark Wood Films YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Um, just go to the polar section and you'll be able to see this little film of Ryan with um, a little bit of food and the Arctic fox comes, comes up and takes it out of his hand. Um yeah, it's amazing. I think when you see these animals in a natural habitat, it's just it just shows how precious our planet is. It it's a very unique planet that we have diversity of animals and 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 uh, plant life and human beings as well as being animals. You know, um, it's it's it saddens me sometimes, but. Um, one, one, just to close this, if you like, because I know we're running over time a little bit. Um, I did a, a program. I talk about the environment. I'm not proud mm-hmm. of this expedition, but I, I helped to support uh, Top Gear on their expedition in 2007 yeah. to the uh, old position of the magnetic North Pole near Isaacson in the Canadian High Arctic. And I was just played a part of looking gear and supporting Clarkson and May on this trip. When it was all over, we then brought the vehicles back and we were sort of alone on the Arctic. And I was working with this one doctor and we set this tent up. And then in the night, we were there having coffee in the night, just us two alone in the Arctic. It was wonderful. We had a big open tent as well, not a small one. Mm. And in walked a lemming. Oh, wow. <laughs> just arrogantly walked in through the tent. And we both looked at each other, me and the person I was working with, and we just smiled. And it walked in right up to my foot, started sniffing around my foot, and I gave it a bit of food. And it just stayed with us because it was, I don't know why, because the smoke, we had some bacon going, actually. I think it was that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I picked it up in my hands, and I've got photographs of it as well. But the key thing to this was I went outside, and I you know, placed it onto the ground and it ran off. This little body was wiggling away. This little white rodent was wiggling away, away from me. And it was running off. 
And then I looked up and I looked at the train that was running into just complete ice snow in front of me, really sort of harsh environment with this little fella just living in this beautiful environment. And I just thought it's just how remarkable is that, you know, human Mm. contact with this beautiful little creature. Yeah. That's perfectly adapted and and perfectly happy up there on its own. And probably wondering what, the smell of bacon is and what is this? Yeah. What is this? Exactly. Warm place? Never seen humans before. It's like aliens on in his own planet. He came in and wanted to check us out. Didn't. And I think that's the key thing, you know, um, Joe, I crossed another a pl- plateau over Ellesmere Island and we saw must be about 50 or 80 or so Arctic hare just grazing. They didn't bat an eyelid when we walked through with our sledges. These animals don't know what humans are capable of. Mm. Um, you know, we're very, we're a very cruel species, um, or can be very cruel. Um, and they just, they, when they have, they don't know what humans are, they come in and expect them to be as they are. Um, and it's, it's a real lesson that lemon was a real lesson. The Arctic hares that we saw were lessons as well. Um, yeah. That's a memory that I certainly wouldn't forget. Mark, thank you for sharing a little bit about your wildlife experiences in the Arctic with us. Uh, Next up, we're probably going to talk about the topography uh, of the Arctic because it's not all flat nothingness. There's actually quite a lot going on out there that I think listeners should be aware of.